everybody, and welcome back to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for coming back. We've got our Jewish sage, a Mr. Steve Herzig. Steve, how are you? Hey, Chris, you can call me... Oh, there you are. You are Mr. Zadie. I am. I had a birthday uh, last week, and my family came through with a great sweatshirt. Can you read it? It says... Wait, let me see. Can you move... Like a grandpa, Zadie, but cooler. But cooler. And to show how cool I am, wait, as we're coming to the end. There we go. Welcome in. Welcome in, everybody. Steve, now listen, if you're watching on our live stream that can be found on YouTube or on uh, Facebook Live on our FOI Equip, you can see what Steve's going to do. But Steve... Uh, what did you get for your birthday? Well, actually, Chris, I found out from my family that this this little cactus thing that is kind of soft and squishy is for infants. But my daughter particularly said, I know my dad will like it. <laughs> so that ought to tell you a little bit about me. Well, first of all, here's here's what she did. Oh, that's hilarious. If you can't see it, it is a dancing cactus. It is dancing. It is shaking its uh, tuchus. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cactus shaking its tuchus. That's right. That, but now here's the thing that's kind of cool. Listen to the music. You, you could do this. <laughs> it's still shaking its tuchus. Uh, well, wait, wait. There's another song here. Oh, put it right up here like this. There you go. It's like it's it's just dancing but, for everybody. But my favorite, I told my wife, I said this this next one is your this next one is your people. <laughs> oh, that is so good, Steve. I love it. Anyway, I don't want to bore people. You're but not boring. Them. It's a good reason. Hey, listen, if you are listening on the pod, it's a great reason to go to our YouTube page or our <laughs> Facebook page to see Steve's gifts. It's pretty funny. It, Steve, maybe people don't know what a tukus is, but I mean, it's, it's a, a Yiddish tushy, word. A tushy for, you know, my grandkids use the word, and I hate I hate the word, and I'll spell it B-U-T, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> And you even spelled that wrong. Just <laughs> I know, I know, on purpose. Uh, but we always call it tushy, which is a Yiddish word. It's not our Yiddish word for the day. Nope. Tuchus Just a free, a free Yiddish is word. The, is the even more Yiddish way of saying, with the chut, tuchus. Uh, get your tuchus away from him. I used to hear that from my grandparents. Ay, ay, ay. But, uh... Yep, the cactus. I didn't even know a cactus had a tush, but I guess it does. Well, it was shaking its tuchus. It was singing great songs. The thing that's funny about that whole thing, Chris, it's made for infants. I would be scared out of my mind if I was a little baby looking at that thing. Anyway. But but you were saying that... The babies love it, actually. They they certainly do. I just talked to a gal. I showed it to her uh, here in our office, and she said her daughter got one for her granddaughter. <laughs> and that it worked. The baby was all fussy. Boom, she pressed the thing. And there it is. And the baby was calm. calm. I can't explain it. Well, listen, um, really quick, just I want to, you know, Steve brought in some birthday gifts, but that means we passed over something. It was your birthday. Yeah, it was. 
Huh. Okay, now oh, now we're downplaying it, right? We, well, no, big I, deal I like about the, the dancing oh, tuchus with the, the. I love the dancing okay, cactus. But it, you're, you had a big birthday celebration. That's why you have your Zadie. That's right. I, I last week my family came over and uh, I got some texts from the ones who couldn't make it. Uh, but uh, it was good. We had a good time. Happy birthday! That was very nice. How do you, do you even? How do you say happy birthday in Yiddish? Is there? I have no idea. Oh, we'll have to look that up, huh? I, we would have to look that up. I never, I never recall hearing any of that. Uh, I'm sure there's words for it, but I have no idea. What I, they I know in Hebrew it's Yam Holedet, which literally means the day of birth. That, so that sounds. <laughs> this was the day of your birth. <laughs> this is the day of your birth, buddy. So let's celebrate it. But we want to say happy birthday to you, Steve. I don't have a birthday song lined up, but That's uh, no problem. I'm not going to sing it for you. It would just make Please people don't. It would make our three listeners turn off that, the podcast right away. That's right. We're trying to attract people, not turn them away. That's that's right. But if you go on Facebook, hey, go to FOI Quip. Leave Steve Herzig a happy birthday message, please. He is so valued here at the Friends of Israel. He is so valued by me here as we're doing our Jew and Gentile podcast. So, Steve, happy birthday. Well, thanks, Chris. Appreciate um, it. So, first of all, quick reminder, uh, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. Uh, which uh, is a opportunity for you. If you've ever wanted to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective, you just need to come to these free classes. Free, Steve. They are free. Talk about, an, talk about an ongoing gift. I mean, you know, you don't have to wait for your birthday for a gift. You can just go to an FOI Equip class. We have Larna Simcox, who's going to be teaching the search, which is an opportunity to hear how she as a Jewish believer came to faith in the Lord Jesus, but then also ways that uh, she's going to share with us ways that we can engage with our Jewish friends, uh, the message of hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. We have shared already, just word of mouth, uh, Lorna Simcox's teaching and her um, uh, talking about her book. And I think, Chris, we haven't really advertised it yet uh, through our Equip page. But when we do, I think we'll get a lot of people. But we already have 100 people registered. I know. We already have. A, and there's plenty of space. You oh, unlimited yeah. space <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Just come. Yep. You don't even, we don't even have a dress code. There's no, well, uh, I hope you have Well, you got to be dressed. <laughs> that's that's the only part of the code. <laughs> Please come but, dressed. Yes, you have to be dressed. But there's no, you're not going to a building. You don't have to impress anybody. In nope. fact, you could turn your camera off if you want. It doesn't make any difference. You could come for the information. Bring coffee, bring a snack, Wherever whatever you're, you want. Hey, maybe you're waking up because we have people in Australia. Maybe you're waking up and you're drinking your coffee. Who You're watching from Australia. Maybe we've had people from Ireland that stay up till two in the morning three in the morning maybe you're keep trying to keep your eyes open or maybe you're having dinner over here in america it doesn't matter I've, we could th- she could be your dinner companion <laughs> lorna simcox for dinner so just come turn on your computer enjoy uh, you can register for the search by going to foiequip.org please join this growing community of christians who want to engage with the bible who want to learn the bible from a jewish perspective again that's foiequip.org and then steve one more thing um I'm excited about this. July 21st, we're going to have information, but I thought I'd do a little teaser for our audience that's listening right now. But um, we're going to have Bassem Eid, who is a Palestinian human rights activist, on for a special night of FOI Equip July 21st. And what's amazing about Bassem, who is a, uh, a Muslim himself, he is going to be talking about Israel, but 
it's fascinating because he looks at Israel, I think, a lot different than most Palestinians do. I think it's going to be what a great opportunity for for folks to get a Muslim supporter of Israel perspective. Yes, uh, people, there's people who aren't aren't even aware that they exist. Yes, and for us to get him to come. Uh, is wonderful. You're going to be interviewing him and talking to him. We're going to be talking with him. We're going to let him share a lot. Um, again, that's going to be on July 21st, and you can go to, uh, we don't have the information up just yet, but that will be made available at foiequip.org as well. Um, you can actually, if you want to, right now, you can just type in Basem Eid. His last name uh, is spelled E-I-D, Basem Eid. You can see him on on um, PragerU. Uh, he's spent a lot of time. He's done a PragerU class. He's spent a lot of time with Dennis Prager. Um, so, you know, uh, you can watch him and catch up on all the things that he's doing. But then also you can look forward to the a class that we're going to have with him as well on July 21st. But, Steve, we are wrapping up our series on on God's dwelling place. So do you want to catch us up on maybe somebody's been, you know, tuning in. Maybe they're just tuning in for the first time. What, what, what are we talking about here? Well, we've been having a conversation. And, uh, in fact, last week we had two special guests. We now have two chairs uh, that are for our guests with mics. And they, they actually uh, inaugurated those two places, uh, Bruce and Keegan did. But we started off talking about the tabernacle. God uh, told the Jewish people uh, Moses uh, got the information and it was built uh, a, a dwelling place for God, and uh, the first prefab worship center, uh, they picked it up and they moved it, uh, special people did, the priests, um, and so the tabernacle was the first place, and then we talked about the temple, it's God's dwelling place, uh, his presence was there, that didn't mean and d- doesn't mean that when God was there, he was nowhere else, because God is everywhere all the time, he knows all, sees all, is all, uh, he, he's omnipotent, omnipresent, but his presence was heavy. That is, it was Shekan, his glory was there, manifested uh, a cloud by day and a fire by night. But then he, on, on uh, Mount Moriah, the first temple, Solomon's temple, uh, there he was. Uh, that second temple reestablished after uh, the Jewish people were in 586, were kicked out in Babylon, uh, came back. Uh, the temple came back, uh, but after a while, Ezekiel, in fact, talks about the glory of God departing, and we talked about that from Ezekiel uh, 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about the presence of God coming back through the person of Jesus, and Jesus left and went up from the Mount of Olives, and last week we talked about the uh, temple that will be built during the tribulation, uh, and the Antichrist will make an abomination of desolation. So we've seen the, this, this, these temples, um, and the desire on the part of at least very observant Jewish people of reestablishing a temple, and that would be that third temple. But today we're going to talk about a future temple. Yeah. And uh, let's let's start doing that. Yeah, you know, um, I was reading through Ezekiel. I think I mentioned last week that Ezekiel's been my morning devotional. And, you have, you have. And, um, you know, I was struck by this past, and I even said to Steve, Steve, 
I'd never seen this before. I was, um, it, it's all God's providence as I'm going through my devotions in the morning and we're talking about this future temple uh, in prophecy. And then I'm here in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48 as I'm going through my morning devotions. And I'm in chapter 43 and it's talking about the glory of God returning to the temple. So Ezekiel, he doesn't leave us hopeless. You know, of course, God's, it, it, like Steve said, God's presence leaves the temple in 586. It returns in the person of work of, uh, of Jesus Christ. But Ezekiel also gives us a vision of a future temple where God's glory does return. And I just think it's so fascinating because as 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 Ezekiel is talking about this future temple, he writes this in Ezekiel chapter 43. He says in this future temple that he's in, he's and he's seeing a vision of it. He says, while the man was standing beside me, this is Ezekiel talking, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. And he said to me, son of man, which means human, Ezekiel, you human, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. (laughs) That blew me away. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. The people of Israel will, the people of Israel will never again defile my holy name, neither uh, they nor their kings. Steve, his, the soul, I, I just think it's amazing. He's, he sees somebody uh, or hears a voice coming out of the temple, and that voice at this rebuilt temple is saying, my, the soles of my feet will never leave this place again. It's talking about his throne in the temple. Oh, just fascinating to me that he uses the term the soles of my feet because you you know, the cloud by day, the fire by night, that's how we know God's presence was in the tabernacle, was in the temple. I don't think it was ever illustrated in those, and I could be wrong, You can somebody can write in and let me know if I'm wrong, but I don't ever remember it being so graphic to the description, uh, the soles of my feet. Now Ezekiel's talking about this person he's hearing, I am never leaving this place again, the soles of my feet are standing here, this is my throne it's a person that's talking to him. It's amazing. It's 100% a person. And in Judaism, uh, I can tell you, we never, ever uh, talked about God in this sense. And I had uh, no idea uh, growing up that the idea of God in a person, it's just so foreign to me. And for me, as I've shared before, Isaiah 53 is important. But here in Ezekiel 43, this is a yet future time. And you notice it says that uh, I'll dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. Forever, yep. And that forever has to begin when he then says, no more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name. They've been doing that a long time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So this is obviously a time... Didn't happen in Ezekiel's day. We could look at Jewish history after Ezekiel and before me, and it never happened. There's always been Jewish people who defiles his name. There's Jewish people right now that defile his name. This has to be a future time period mm-hmm. where he's going to dwell forever, and they're going to be holy. Yeah. Who are these people? That the, the, In Christianity, there would be some who say, well, these are going to be Christians. This isn't Israel. This is the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I have a real problem with that. Question. Why do you have a problem with that? Well, because the promises that God gave in the Old Testament involved involved an ethnic, literal, physical people as much as or the same as 
a literal, physical, earthy earth mm-hmm. planet, uh, specifically with a promised land. There's a promised land. There's the, the tangible land. There's a tangible people. Now, that might sound, you know, like arrogant, uh, but God chose a specific people. Yeah. Uh, now, I, we believe that he chose also the church, another people, unbeknownst to Ezekiel. I don't think Ezekiel knew about the church, where Jew and Gentile would come together, and that group was assembled and is being assembled currently by God for a period that we don't know of until he once again works with Israel, who has been disobedient, stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and they need to change so they won't defile his holy name. That's why, too, this is the Jew and Gentile podcast. We are we are one in Christ. One in Christ. We make up the body of Christ. We're a part of the body of Messiah. Um, and, uh, you know, even though I'm a part of the nations, the goyim. You are a goy. I am a goy. What I am, a fine goy. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, but what, what did they, what, I think it was one of our Yiddish words. When you call somebody something, it, it could be a goy or a, a Jewish person. It begins with an M, I think. I'll have to remember this. When uh, somebody's not a, they're not a macher, because that's somebody who's great. Well, when a mensch. Oh, a mensch. A yep. mensch. Yep. yep. So I, I can be a goyish a mensch. 100%. Oh, there's a lot of... Uh, go to Yad Vashem. They would say anybody who ha- helped Jewish people, they were all mention, menches, uh, people who were human in a positive sense. And, oh, to, to give a compliment to a Gentile and say, oh, what a mensch you are. Uh, yeah, Jewish people freely do that. You know, it's funny that the thing... I, the the reason I love the word mensch so much because it actually sounds like a derogatory. Oh, what a mensch, you know, but it's actually a positive term. So oh, a, incredibly positive. Now, there, I'm telling you, I always use the example. You're stranded. Your tire is flat. You're on the road. You're saying, oh, man, and you forgot your phone. So now you don't have a phone. Your tire's flat. And somebody in today's world pulls over and says, is there a problem? Can I help you? You say to yourself. Now that's a mint. <laughs> you know what else I love too is that in when we're when Christmas time rolls around, we get out elf on a shelf, and Jewish people get out mensch on a bench. <laughs> mensch on a we have them both at our house. Do you? Yes, we do. We're an equal opportunity giver of uh, rumors. I'm gonna have to get a mensch on the bench. That sounds great. Mensch on the bench is great. But all that to say, you know, Ezekiel does paint the picture that the nations are involved. You know, we we know that it was never God's intent to only work with Israel. You know, we leave everybody out. The whole purpose no, of Israel. If Israel was living for God, the idea, again, geographically, all the peoples were coming through the land. They, That's right. It was the land bridge between Asia, Africa, and Europe. And so they were, God wanted people to come through. They were supposed to live for God and attract the Gentiles. Uh, God knew about it, but it didn't work that way at all because, quite frankly, and it's still to this day, Jewish people look at the Gentiles and like their way of life and assimilate Assimilate. in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. Intermarriage is one of them that we weren't supposed to do, yet God has still kept, that's one of the amazing, the amazing things, and we've talked about this, up until the time I got married, Chris, uh, I'm 100% Jewish, which meant my line has only 
stayed within the physical, tangible Jewish people. I messed that all yes, up. Yes, you did. Uh, and now I have half-breed children. <laughs> But that's okay. I, 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 I want to come back to this idea that, you know, like you said, though, God is speaking to Israel here. He is talking about the fact that Israel will, will no longer uh, be kicked out of the land, that, that God will re- bring them back to the land, that it's okay to think that, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about the fact that, um, is God a territorial God? Is God in the real estate business? That's, I hear that when it talks about the— He owns the earth, people. <laughs> but he chose Israel for a reason. It's the center of the world, as Ezekiel 5.5 5 says. He chose Jerusalem. It's the center of the world. But that in the same way Washington, D.C. is the capital of our country— and when you go there, you can respect the you know what's going on there, the leadership that's coming there, or maybe you don't respect it. Either way, the point is Washington, D.C. is something special to the entire country. Jerusalem is the capital of God's presence for his entire rule and reign over his, his kingdom when it does come. And so, yes, Jerusalem does matter. Psalm 72 talks about the fact that all kings will come and bow down to the king of kings in Jerusalem, the Messiah, the King of Israel. So, yes, everybody streams. Micah 4, uh, 1 through and 2. All nations will stream. The goyim will stream to Jerusalem So to receive instruction from, from the Lord. Torah, as it says. So it never left the Gentiles out, but it always included them to become a part of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Always. And even when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the earth, he gathered Jewish disciples. It was a Jewish thing. Salvation is of the Jews. Mm-hmm. But that didn't mean that he didn't minister to Gentiles. That didn't mean that he was he he uh, did not use opportunity to demonstrate that he is more than just the Messiah of Israel. He's the Savior of the world. That's right. And his feet, I love this, the soles of his feet, which I think gives image to the fact that when God's glory returns, it's no longer just this cloud by day and fire by night. Now we're seeing feet that are present. Steve, the way I look at that, it's a picture of the Lord Jesus standing in the temple, sitting on his throne. That's why the temple's so important. The Lord Jesus will take his rightful seat as the king of kings, the king of Israel, um, over all the nations of the world in the temple. That's where his throne room is. Well, here's the question. Sandals or no sandals? <laughs> I'm going to go with sandals. I'm going to go with sandals, yeah. too. I'm going to go. Stylish sandals. Well, uh, socks or no socks? Mm, Jesus and socks, I can't see. No, me neither. Me no, neither. he's not a hippie. No, I mean. No, no. He'll, be, he'll, he'll be coming down that mount, down that Kidron Valley, up through the Eastern Gate, and he will reign and rule on David's throne mm. as the greater son of David. Wow, what a day that will be. And Ezekiel gives us that picture. It's a... It's a conundrum for people who are, if you're reading this and have a a, 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 a desire, not a desire, a, a pre-view uh, of what Messiah can be or not be and what God can be or not be, the idea of God having feet is mm-hmm. a difficult, it's difficult. Yeah. It, you have to wrestle with that. And the go-to place is to just say it's symbolism. I'm yep. not sure it is. No, it's very detailed. The soles of his feet. I mean, we're, we're talking about a very detailed, because even it's fascinating. 
um, that in Zechariah chapter 14, it gives almost the same imagery that the his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Now, it's interesting because I believe Jewish people look at that as a messianic passage. Absolutely. And so they're seeing this divine action happening with a person coming down. Their feet are touching down, which gives it, uh, there's some humanity in that picture as well. Um there's actually a really good book, and this is for those people who want to get theological, Steve. Uh, it's by a conservative Jewish man. I believe he's out of Yale. His name's Benjamin Summers, and he wrote a book called The Bodies of God, which was kind of almost uh, insinuating in the book, hey, you know what? As Jewish people, God could present himself as a human, and it was designed to open up a dialogue between Christians and Jews, and here's this conservative Jewish man, Benjamin Summers, um, who does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but has, is wrestling with some of these texts and with what was going on in other ancient Middle Eastern um, uh, um, cultures and things of that nature. He was he was looking at it and going, hey, you know what? Yeah, there is a place for the fact that God could reveal himself in a person. I don't know how you, if you read the texts, I don't know how you could not say so. Starting in the garden, he walked in the cool of the day. He yep. walked. Now, was that him hovering while Adam was hovering? I mean, you could have that image, but it specifically says he walked with him. Mm-hmm. What about the captain of the Lord's army? It wasn't some floating—the the captain of the Lord's army, uh, that's in Joshua. We have numerous instances of uh, of, of of times that God is flesh. Yeah. He, it, it's amazing. Pre-incarnate Christ, we say. That's right. And so, anyway, just a fascinating little read there. But, Steve, I want to jump more toward the end now in Revelation chapter 21 because there's something interesting that happens here in Revelation chapter 21, which is really the ending of our of our study on, on the temple. I want to read the passage, and then we can discuss it. Um, and it says this in Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 3. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love this part, Steve. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old, old order of things has passed away. It's, it's an amazing text. This is the end of the story. I, I'm, uh, uh, I l- listened to a, a, a broadcaster for, who was on over 50 years named Paul Harvey, and Paul Harvey had a show, half an hour show, called The Rest of the Story. And he would start off by grabbing the audience and saying some part of the story, but it was the end. But it was the end. And then he'd come back on after the commercial, of course, and then fill in the blanks. You know, if if we think about the Bible and start with chapters 1 and 2, God's creation, God's fellowshipping with man, uh, and then come to chapter 21 and 22, it's it's... That's the rest of the story. <laughs> the part that's in between is all the tsuris. That's one of our, all the stuff that happens because of Genesis chapter 3. We've already discussed it. But here in chapter 21, everything's new. Yeah. And in everything new, all the 
burdens, the difficulties, the trials, the the tears, the sorrow is all wiped away. Mm-hmm. God's it's no coincidence. God's dwelling is now with his people. What a blessing. And that's why we've called this whole series God's Dwelling Places. But, you know, when this is what I think is fascinating too, Steve, is, you know, we're kind of binding all this together from the beginning of our study is, you know, of course we saw God's presence physically walking with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden. But then we see God's presence come down in the tabernacle and temple. And the words used there in in Exodus chapter 40 and 1 Kings chapter 8, when God's presence came down in the tabernacle and temple, is that word shakan. And it it's the dwelling, God settling, dwelling, residing with his people. Um, and then we saw that John, uh, John 1.14, used that exact same word when he described Jesus, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the same word that he tabernacled with us. So we see God's glory come down in the presence, in the tabernacle, Shekhan, temple, Shekhan, in the person and work of the Lord Jesus, Shekhan. And now to kind of, and then we saw that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell with us, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us today. But there's a future coming when the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven. And it's the exact same word, Steve, Shekhan tabernacle. Shekan Temple, Shekan the person and work of Jesus Christ, Shekan the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. It says it right there where it says, look, the God's dwelling place, Shekan, um, is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Now, it's in Greek. Of course, in the New Testament, it's written in Greek, but we know that those are the parallel words used for one another. So there's a link here, Steve, that God is drawing us back to the Garden of Eden. That's why our PUC, our Prophecy Up Close this year, is called Eden to Eden, because the point is God is bringing us back to that place where, and I love the terminology, the phrase that he uses, coupled with his dwelling, I will be your God, you will be my people. That's used over and over again in the Old Testament. Let me read, if I can, Chris, verse 9, uh, where you described the new Jerusalem. Uh, it said, the one Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Mm. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and as she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, with uh, and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. We're going to have here in this chapter a distinction mm-hmm. between Israel and the bride of Christ. I, I find that fascinating. It's not, we're together, and I'm part of the church, not, not part of the, the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do I say that? Well, because... There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. In the body of Christ, for a unique period of time, God formed one people group. Uh, He chose the Jewish people. Then he's going to deal with them, as we talked about last week. And so there's this distinction that's going to be made, but nobody's going to complain about it. How come I'm not with that group? I should be. It's nothing like that. Because we're all under one king. We're under one king, and we're hard for me to believe everybody's going to be content <laughs> with what 
they've been given. Uh, there will. I wonder what news will look like when the new Jerusalem comes down. You know, it's just, you know, today we turn on the news to be, uh, it's part of it's entertaining. Oh, no question. You know. Or cry. Or cry or whatever. You hear that, you know, just to think about the fact that he wipes away every tear. There's no more mourning. You know, you think about what just happened in Uvalde. You know, we're just outside of Philadelphia. There was just a oh, shooting horrible, in Philadelphia. Horrible. You just, I, I and I'm a, I'm a news junkie. I'm a sucker for the news. But at the same time, I think no more of that. You know, we're under a king who loves us, who's gracious, who's who 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 bestows his mercy and kindness on us, um, and and we want to serve him. And so I just I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to that day, Steve. But uh, well, let me just read. Uh, I skipped. I'm going to skip to verse 22, and it says, "But I saw no temple." Yes, I saw no temple. In it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Mm-hmm. Chris, that's a the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it. The glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light. Do you do you remember going back to Exodus when Moses finishes building the tabernacle and it says God's glory came down and he shikani dwelled with them? That God's glory was so palpable that Moses couldn't stand to be and he had to run out of the tabernacle. Same thing in the temple when Solomon's people finished the temple, the priests are in there ministering, the glory comes down, the shikan, God's presence dwells with them and they go, we got to get out of here. It's too palpable it's too intense his holiness is too intense and we see that again here where god's glory is so intense that it's the entire city there is never any night because there's glory. no sun there is there's uh, there's no sun it's it's bright. just the light of god it no i can't even imagine it i know it's described here but i can't even imagine it the lamb is the light uh in its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall be no means that there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles, causes an abomination or a lie, but those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Mm. Wow. Wow. Can I this is a great opportunity to interject some Jewish theology that I think um actually is very biblical that I th- that I, I think can get overlooked by Christians. You know, I think for Christians, when we think about heaven, and I think there's Jewish people that think this way too, but uh, when we think about heaven, we think about when we die, we kind of float off into some e- ethereal. With a harp, and we get wings. Yeah, we become like Eddie Van Halen on the harp, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we get a, we get a, you know, a halo. We get wings, we're white, we're on a cloud, we're floating. That This is the imagery that we're going to a better place. The soul is better than the body. The body is, you know, the flesh is, is we want to get rid of it. We want to shed it, and we want to just be this spirit that floats off. In, re, in, in Jewish theology, though, which in biblical theology, I should say, but it's very evident in Judaism, um, is this idea that, no, the body and the soul are uniquely knit together. And, you know, I think I was uh, listening to a rabbi speak the other day when we were in New York City, and he goes, you know, the idea of the body and soul being together and one day being resurrected is a part of God's justice because it's just for God to return the 
soul to the spirit, or to the body, because that's the way he designed it. That's the way he created it. And so if you notice in the, in all throughout the Bible, we've gone through the whole Bible. It's not that we are disappearing into some distant place. Instead, God's glory, his presence keeps coming down to us. It came down in the tabernacle. It came down in the temple. It came down in the person in the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's going to come. Jesus is coming back again. He's returning to earth. And then we see the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. To me, it's not that we're floating off into space. I do believe in the rapture of the church where one day we will be raptured, resurrected and raptured, uh, changed in a twinkling of an eye. But we're coming back with him again. We're coming down. I don't think we're designed to leave, Steve. I think we're designed to be present in God's creation here with his glory illuminating as it was supposed to be. Chris, he's going to fix us. Yeah. We're going to be fixed. Uh, but we're going to have bodies. They're going to be glorified bodies. They're tangible. We can touch somebody. Look, we started off by talking about the soles of his feet, and we're going to have bodies. And uh, those folks who have ever been to Israel and the Mount of Olives, they know that the very Orthodox Jewish people that are buried there believe in the resurrection. They yeah. believe that their bodies are going to come up out of the graves. So do we as believers. Uh, and that's physical, again, and tangible. That's why Jewish people in, in Jewish rites, they, you know, when someone dies, they go into the grave as soon as possible. They actually don't get any embalming fluid they go right into the into the uh into the ground um because resurrection 24 hours yep resurrection matters it matters in even not only in the life that they're hoping for but also in the way that they die and the rights to understand that there's a resurrection that will will one day happen and you know what i think as christians we've lost that as our hope our hope is that one day we're gonna pop right out of the ground just like jesus came out of the grave will come out of the grave. As long as he tarries, you know, there will be a day when there is a resurrection that happens. You know, what's uh, it's kind of sad, but I can tell you that when there's a terrorist action that takes place in Israel uh, and bodies are blown up, there are special religious Jewish people whose task is to go wherever that blast was. You're kidding. And to take whatever is left of the flesh and put it together and it's buried. the The idea of the body mm. is very important in Jewish theology. It's very important because they believe it's sacred. It's important, mm -hmm. and even if you don't, you, the preference is to have the whole body. But whatever there is, they are they do it quickly. They do it lovingly, and they do it respectfully. Uh, so that there can be a burial of the of the victims. Steve, I know whenever I teach on this in churches or um, you know in a in a in a college setting or whatever, I always get this fantastic question. People say, "Well, what about cremation?" You know, I I know my father was cremated. I know a lot of people who have done cremation. Um, what do you, what's your response to that? Look, we have liberty in Christ. Uh, one of the surprises for me, my mother in law, when she passed, who is very conservative and uh, buried her own husband, but because of the cost and the hassle, she told her, my my wife and her brother and sister, please, I just want to be cremated. You, you know, I, I certainly am not against it, but I will say this, and it's cause I haven't decided yet. Maybe the Lord will decide for me, <laughs> but I haven't decided. But whenever fire is associated with 
in the Bible is in reference to people, it seems to be judgment. Mm. And it, the Jewish people don't they they bury a body. The idea of cremation, according to the law, never going to happen. There's always there needs to be a body if you can get one. Uh, you know, obviously, if it's drowning in an ocean or being blown up or or whatever. But the the need for a body is so important, and respect for that body. God mm. cares. So Judaism teaches me that. My Christianity says it doesn't make any difference. What, what difference does it make? You're absent from the body, present with the Lord. So whatever you wanted, that's the way my mother-in-law looked at it. So I don't have any advice. Zygazun, live and be well. <laughs> Do you ever see that coming whenever I'm doing that? I never. No, that, that hit me. <laughs> anyway, I I understand either way. Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to think that today, especially because of costs, people think economy first. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I go both ways right now. I, well, you know, because I, I get a lot of concerned people, too, who, who go, oh, my goodness. You know, I've thought about this if we were my loved one was cremated or whatever. And, you know, I I think of Ezekiel 37. You know, the bones were scattered and they were dusty. And they, you know, the point that God, that God was trying to make to Ezekiel in this picture of resurrection is like these things are dead. I mean, they are beyond dead. They're piled up. They're scattered. So it's not even like it's a full body. It's you know someone's femur is over there and someone's arm bone is well, over because here. they've been there a long time, but they weren't burned up. They weren't burned up, but they were dusty. And the 100%. point is dust to dust. You know that's something God took the dust of the earth and He formed Adam from it and breathed His life. I, you know, I always just tell people because I know it. I think it does concern people. Oh, it's a definite question. Uh-huh. I, do I think that God can take the dust of the earth and the dust of my father was cremated? You know, the dust of my father and resurrect it. Well, I saw him do it with Adam. I saw him take dust and make a human out of it. I think God can. It's nothing for God. Nothing. It's Absolutely. a conviction. I think people have different convictions, and in as a believer in Christ, you can have that. You can you can decide for yourself because. Our God is big enough to handle the situation. Amen. Well, listen, the te- uh, Steve, God's dwelling places. We're wrapping up another series. I hope it's been an encouragement to you that God's desire is to come down. And Steve, I, I'll give you the last word on this because this is what I'm just thinking about for the Christian today. God wants to be with us. And I, it just gives me so much hope in my heart that God, the one who spoke all things into existence, who simply spoke and it happened, is the same God who cares so deeply that it boils down to even the tears that roll down our cheek, that he wants to be with us. And that, to me, uh, is a perfect image of God's dwelling place. Why does all this matter? Why does the temple matter? Why is all this? It's because God is provided a way that we could be with him. He wants to be with us, too. That's that's the story of the scripture. God calling a people for himself, God calling individuals for himself. You know, we we heard this uh, morning in our chapel service we have uh, once a week, uh, one of our staff, uh, she's had a lot of difficult circumstances in her life, one of which is that she's a twice widow. Mm. And she shared with us that she was invited to a widower's um widow and widowers group and she said i don't need that i don't want that mm. 
But then she said, I found out that the people we're tending, they're Jewish and Gentile people who are hurting. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, what captivated me is in her flesh, she wanted no part of that. She knows where her husband is. She's passed all that. But she now attends on a regular basis because her heart breaks for the people she said are so lonely. She said, if I can have a good word for them, give them a message of hope. And isn't that God dwelling with us? Yes. We have a we have a message that God can dwell. He can encamp in your heart. Yes. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, and Chris, next week, I think we're going to start a, at least a seven week. It might be eight week. You and I have talked briefly. So now we're committed. We're, we're, we're making it happen now. Yeah. That's right. John, the book of John, there's seven miracles uh, or signs that are given. And I just, I, I just been going through them. Uh, I think they're exciting. Of course, the eighth is the resurrection. I'll, I'll give the rest of the story. But, <laughs> but the seven, the seven um, signs or the seven miracles that are given, the Apostle John, we, in his book of Revelation, we're going to go to the gospel, uh, each one is communicating an aspect of God to unbelievers yep. and to believers. Yep. So I think that's going to be exciting. We'll start with John chapter 2 next week. And our previous executive director, Dr. Elwood McQuaid, did a fantastic book called The Outpouring. Hundred per- uh, It's great, which and, is, and I'm glad you brought that up. And we'll make sure that we highlight that during our series as well as an opportunity if you want to dive deeper to get that resource. Uh, just really quick before we go to the news, I want to encourage you uh, in our show notes, um, we're going to have all the news available to you right before we go to the news. Um, but also, there's a link there that you can get a one-year free subscription to our online digital Israel My Glory magazine. Israel My Glory is our flagship publication from the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. It will, If you want to know more about Israel and the Jewish people, if you want to see how church trends are working when it comes to supporting Israel and the Jewish people, I want to encourage you to get Israel My Glory. It's been in publication since 1942. You'll get a one-year free subscription of our digital Israel My Glory, which means you can look at it, uh, you can read it on your phone, you can uh, watch it on your tablet, you can or read it on your tablet, on your computer. Uh, and, Steve, you get like 45 years of Israel, my glory at your fingertips. I love, I use that all the time. For me, it's go back in history because uh, I lived through a lot of these magazines and uh, during that time. Oh, there's so, some good pictures of you uh, from the yeah, 1970s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. Good. If you ever get your hands on an on an old copy of Israel, my glory, you'll see Steve, black and white photo. Uh, I'm sorry. You look like he came <laughs> right out of the, right. I don't even know what that was, the hipster, a hippie area era. It was perfect. It's great. I only know that uh, my boss at the time who sat in the seat I'm sitting at called me up one time after he saw that one of those pictures. He said, Steve, Get a haircut. I can't find your face. <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to. You can subscribe to Israel My Glory by going to um, Israel My Glory forward slash subscribe. Steve, what's going on in the news? Well, Chris, you got to help me here through this because uh, our assistant, Laura Coleman, uh, who has uh, this has become her passion. I'm really excited. She looks. She loves looking. Uh, for news items, I know I love for it. the Jew and the Gentile podcast. It takes it, it takes the burden off of us. It does, and she's she likes it, and I'm so happy that she does. And she sent me this one, and I just the Israeli companies at Nasdaq want to bring lab grown meat. Now, let me ay, say that again. Ay, 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 <laughs> ay, ay, it ay. is an ay, 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 ay. 
Here, it's using animal cells. Yeah. So this is animal cells uh, using tech they say is more sustainable than natural methods. They're going to grow meat. The Israelis are the ones leading the way in this technology. They That's are why Israeli it's... companies. And at the actual, it, it's called Tanuva, T-N-U-V-A. And there's a race, they say, to create products from animal cells. I, I My mind is bursting thinking of... Animals. So what? What are we? What are they? They're going to put them in a little jar aye. and grow it. Ay, 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 That's aye, me. Aye, 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 <laughs> they're, they're investing seven and a half million dollars uh, uh, in this partnership called New Company, with an option to invest another additional seven point five million over a one-year period of time. We're not talking about substitute. Uh, one of the persons said, we will be able to provide a product that will be healthy and eventually, I like this, eventually affordable, which means. <laughs> yeah, first, what is that? What does a steak cost? $6,000. <laughs> right. That better be some good meat. You know, listen, uh, the, the, let me read for you. This comes from another website called the Visual Capitalist, and it talks about this cultured meat that Israel is the is leading the way on. Cultured meat is a genuine animal meat that is produced by cultivating animal cells in a controlled environment, eliminating the need to farm animals for food. Here is a step-by-step guide showing how cultured meat, also known as clean meat. Oh, isn't that funny how they – this is clean meat. The meat you're eating, dirty. This is I clean meat. I think I'm meat. going with dirt. I, mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, step one, that's steps. Step one, tissue is taken from the animal for the purpose of extracting stem cells. Uh, I'm going to gag. I'm going to gag. Step two, the extracted stem cells are cultivated in a nutrient-rich environment, mimicking an in-animal tissue growth. Blah, blah, blah. Step three, the the muscle fibers are processed and mixed with additional fats and ingredients to assemble the finished meat product. It sounds like tofu. I know. No, thank you. This is... (laughs) Aren't we fighting this? This sounds like aren't we fighting the manufactured way of doing things? Why are we going back? Don't we're we're like all natural now? People are Whole Foods. How do you go to Whole Foods and say I want that manufactured meat, please? You know, (laughs) this sounds disgusting to me. And now I'll tell you what will happen too. There will be cows everywhere. Yeah, pretty. (laughs) There'll be cows roaming down the streets. Cows all over. We are in India. Exactly. There's just be animals roaming because we aren't doing our duty. Uh, this is a part of it. You know, maybe, Steve, we, we could connect it to the fact that we've been given dominion over the world to, to cultivate it and to manage it properly as God has given it to us, uh, you know, going back to Adam and Eve. But this seems a little too. This is like playing God. Well, I think they're uh, one of the things they're trying to do is to entice vegetarians be, who are vegetarians because of the way animals they think are treated. So therefore, they'll say, hey, it's not even an animal. We uh, we took some cells and bada bing, bada boom, we got a steak. <laughs> I don't know if I, I... I'll try it. I'm up for trying anything. Oh, I'm up for trying it, but I... Because I had that impossible burger. Yeah, I've had that. At Burger King. And it was fine, but that's all vegetables and whatnot and whatever they... How are they put that together but we I, don't know what's in an impossible I, <laughs> I don't know i don't know if i can do this but anyway israel's the one leading the way in this steve what else do we have the second article we have uh, is headline russia press- pressured moscow chief rabbi to publicly support the ukraine war he 
refused. Mm. His name is Pincus Goldschmidt, uh, and he was reelected uh, by a group of rabbis uh, in Russia, even though he did not support the Ukraine war, and he's the chief rabbi in Russia. So he had a lot of pressure, and according to the article, his daughter was saying, uh, the pain and fear in our family the last few months is beyond words. The sound, sounds of the Moscow Choral Synagogue ring in our ears. I'll never forget our engagement there in 2014 and taking our children there in Shavuot. Uh, she said it's it's been very difficult for them. You know, it's you don't think about the, the what's going on in the religious culture of Russia. You know, you're just hearing about the war. But this man standing up and saying no, I mean, there are that could land him in a lot of trouble, especially as in, a, in a position of leadership like this. Um, and as you could see, he was facing pressure already. But, you know, I do know and I've read a couple times that the um, the Russian Orthodox leader, I don't know exactly what his name is. Uh, the Orthodox Church, um, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is very much a part of that church and attends services. And I even think that the uh, the Russian Orthodox, I, I don't have an exact quote or anything here, uh, the, the, the priest, the, the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church, is in favor of the war, and you know, which is another way that Putin is getting people to side with his aggression and war in, in, in Ukraine. But here is a rabbi, in a very difficult situation, who's standing up already? Saying, it's just being Jewish, let alone the chief rabbi in Russia. It's no picnic, exactly. And so, kudos uh, to Rabbi Pincus um, for for standing up and continue. Pray for him. Pray for his family. Um, his uh, daughter-in-law um, uh, posted on Twitter. She wrote, uh, "Can finally share that my in-laws, Moscow Chief Rabbi Pincus." Um, and Dara Goldschmidt have put been put under pressure by authorities to publicly support the special operation in Ukraine, and he uh, refused. So good, good, for, good him. for him. Yep. Yep. All right, Steve. Here we go. Yiddish word of the day. Oh, we got a good one, Chris. I have to admit, I never heard of this word. I came in contact with it. I was thinking about our topic, and God Almighty, Abishter. 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 God Almighty. We were just talking in Revelation chapter 21. We were talking about the glory of God. We were talking in Ezekiel uh, about his soles of his feet. Abishter is God Almighty. And Chris, I began to research this since I never heard it from my grandmother, my mother, my father. I never heard this from a rabbi. I never heard this Yiddish word. And I looked it up. And Chris, we found a song. And the lyrics to this song, the theology is so amazing to think that there are Jewish young people. We actually saw YouTube of some young people who were singing this song, and I think we have it. We do. Uh, really quick, because I don't think people will hear it, um, but can you read the part that stands out to you, Steve? There are two parts that stand out to me, uh, and they're chorus number one and chorus number two. Let me just read them. The miracles that you do, you've created every star and put them all right where they are. You've made heaven, you've made earth, and all of your work is true. You've made heaven, you made earth, and all of your work is true. It's not hard to understand. You created just for man. And here it is, Chris. Please reveal your special plan and bring us Mashiach, Messiah. Mm. That's course number one. That, that just touched me, Chris. Yes. 
And course number two, a bister, oh, a bister, a bister, oh, a bister. Won't you help us realize that happiness comes from you? Won't you help us realize that happiness comes from you? Bring us Mashiach. Give us happiness because it comes from you. And I infer from Mashiach himself. You know, I, I just think of John, which we're going to be studying next week. You know, I think of what Jesus says, that he, he is the Messiah, um, and he says uh, that he's the one who gives abundant life, they, that we find abundant life in the Messiah. You know, it's a lot of similarities. So this is Benny Friedman. I'll just play a portion of it. It's a beautiful song, a bister, which means utmost, but they use it to define who God Almighty is. Almighty God. That's right. This is an Israeli guy too. It's it's beautiful. I never heard of the song before. Yeah. Miracles every day. Isn't that what God does? Fields of grain. And so this is more of a Yiddish song than a, a Hebrew song. No question. Yep. What are they trying to say? Notice he says it much better than we do. Did we did we ruin it? We did. <laughs> Next week we'll start with the miracles that he does. That's right. Well, listen, everybody, I want to encourage you to look up Benny Friedman. You can listen to Abishter. It's A-I-B-E-S-H-T-E-R. You can listen to it. It's a great song, uh, and it's a great way to we You can worship the Lord through this. So I want to encourage you to go. Steve, it's been a great show. I'm so thankful. Happy birthday again. Ah, thanks. And um, I, I want to encourage our listeners to join us again next week. Hey, listen, everybody, quick, quick, quick reminder. Be sure to go to foiequip.org. Sign up for Lorna's class, The Search. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a fantastic time. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Again, go to foiequip.org. You can do that right now. You're probably on your computer. You're probably on your laptop or on your phone or on your tablet. Go to FOI Equip, sign up, be a part of what we're doing. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.